how'd you do this morning? Yeah, I got one trade this morning. Um, this is a good chase. They uh, ran him for about an hour and actually caught him and walked him for about an hour and got some young dogs in there. And then I was surprised he treated actually because most of our bears don't. When they get that in mind, they're going to stay on the ground. That's what they do. But he ended up treating good. So, how long of a race? Uh, probably about an hour and a half. Okay. But uh, most of it was walking and baying. Oh, right on. Um, and the young dog, yeah. But uh, like I said, our terrain's so thick and nasty here that when they, uh, when those bears decide they're just going to walk and bay, that's what they'll do it for hours and hours and hours. How often do you see? I mean, how? How? I guess let's just talk about this race in general. Did you see the bear at all before, or I mean, are you able to get into it at all? No, a couple, two dogs had him caught right pretty handy to the side of the road there, and I pulled up and I dumped four more, and they went back across the river with him, and um. And ended up training him, so it was good. I had a ten-month-old puppy I'm working there, and she made the whole chase. So that was good. Right on. What kind of uh, like terrain are you running through? You say it's thick. What what kind of vegetation are you guys hunting in? Our country's it's uh, very thick, like spruce, jack firs, cedar swamps, um, just literally stuff you can't even hardly penetrate. You just kind of put your head down and plow through it. But right. it's very flat here, and there's a lot of water. I, you know, some days the dogs are in the water more than the road. It seems like I don't know what I'd compare it to. I've never really seen anything else like it, but it's what I I've run in my whole life, so I'm used to it. But right. there's not really any, you know, big open timber here to speak of. It's just very flat ground and very thick, you know, cedar swamps and that type of stuff. Well, we should probably introduce our guest. We're we're doing it again, buddy. Where we forget. <laughs> yeah, we got Paul. Paul Laney. Uh, what's your what's your guide business? You have to buy guide business, right? What? Laney's Guide Service. Original. Like you didn't come up with something. Even couldn't coordinate. No, that's just, it. Just your name. Straight up, Laney's Guide Service. <laughs> Easy. You won't forget it. Right <laughs> no, you know how to spell it too, right? That's right. <laughs> Works out for me. Well, Paul, we're glad to have you on here. We've been looking for somebody. Um, like we, we've talked about before. Was, we got plenty of people in Oregon we can, and we need to um, do interviews with, but we didn't want it to be just the people that we know and have visited with. We want to kind of reach the whole, you know, um, the whole country, if you will. And, and we got a lot of customers up in Maine and New England. And, and so when, you, when we talked to you, I was like, perfect. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Maybe you can teach us a thing or two. Yeah, I'm ready to learn something. <laughs> so, what do you what do you hunt mostly? What describe a little uh, bit? My hunting is, you know, my operation is bear hunts and bobcat hunts. Uh, you know, the the heart of the operation for sure. I run, you know, seventy seventy five bear hunts a year, and usually about fifteen to twenty bobcat hunts a winter. Uh, bobcat hunts my passion, though. That's what I what I love to do. Nice. Uh, anything with the hounds, but. Um, you know, we do the bait hunts and the and the hound hunts with the bears, but I'd just assume if they were all dog hunts, to be honest. But oh yeah, yeah. So so you said you do the bait hunts, and do you do any other game? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I guide year round, so I guide you know grouse and woodcock hunts, white-tailed deer hunts, um, and then I guide fishing all spring and summer before I you know get into the hunting season. That's what I do. One of my Thing, we, we got a lot of customers that are guides and so i, I want to hear a, a story 
I'm just gonna jump into it already. Just hit it right off the bat. And start <laughs> but I'm gonna start stuff. it here. So so no. I'll tell you a story about a customer today, and I want to hear a story about one of your customers. And so we're gonna preface this. If you're listening, and and uh, if 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 it sounds like I'm talking about, I'm not talking about that customer. I'm talking about a customer that did what they did. The exact so, same thing. Somebody did the exact same thing you did. Exactly, so don't but it's be not offended. this person. So. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm checking our orders and I see these uh, name tags on these callers. And it's like, I don't know if it's green and red and it's the dog's name, the phone number. And then it's exactly on a green one. And then there's one on the red one or a, an orange one or something. And I'm like, what's that? What? I said, what's up with this order right here? And, and uh, Shannon's like, oh, that's a customer. Her, his, you know, was calling and uh, the husband did not want the dog to have a green one. And so he got an orange one. So so, and it's not a hound. Uh, so, so the customer, it's like putting a shirt on a dog. It's like, oh, we're going to take, put the orange collar on for this walk. And then he changed the shirt. Oh, he, the, the so they have color. like a collar designated for when he wants to walk the dog. It's got to be. Yes. Yeah, it matches his leash color. And, and, and so, so anyway. that's not, yeah, that's definitely not a, a regular customer. I would say. No, probably. no. I, I got a chuckle out of that. I couldn't figure out because it had like AKC numbers and phone numbers and. Oh Yeah. I so, think I talked anyways. to that guy last week, actually. He was inquiring <laughs> about uh, which collars to get. Yeah. 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 So well, that's a good Paul, story. you change your dog collars before you take them on a walk? Uh, you know, I really don't. Uh, <laughs> they, get, they get what they get, and uh, most of them don't complain about it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, well, so what brought me to that that question was I've talked to a lot of outfitters and around the campfire and and you probably, you know, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Like the guys I've talked to, absolutely the part about guiding they hate is getting customers who are not maybe fit or not ready or not prepared to these situations. And so do you have any, what, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I keep losing you, buddy, on that now. Oh, you lost me. That, that's convenient. Yeah. Well, here, I'll <laughs> translate. <for you>. Buddy <laughs> wants to know, we want to hear a messed up guiding story, really. I mean, because, like, I flash back to our buddy Tim, you know, and him telling me when he was guiding, you know, guys shooting with dogs loose, and, you know, clients that just really don't have a clue. Like, they're not even woodsmen necessarily. What's, like, the best uh, city slicker city slicker hunting trip <laughs> well it, it, i could write a book about the stories um <laughs> there's been so many of them but, but but this this is a recent one really sticks out in my mind it was it's really not a good story because it, it got ugly. and remember if, if this if, if you're listening to this story paul's not talking it's about you guy. he's talking about somebody that was just like you yeah so anyway last last fall we had a um a, a couple hunters and and we treat a, a bear and he, he came down I think once, and then we treat him again, and we ended up killing the bear. Well, this guy had hunted with me several times, and he asked, he said, well, on those big bears like that, he said, how come you, you just don't shoot them up in the tree before you tie the dogs back? And I said, he's, you know, no way, 100%. We always, that's the rule. You tie the dogs back, you know, before anything happens. That's the rule. Literally the next day, we we had this guy, we treat a bear, and I go in, and I get, like, three of the dogs tied back. And they're in a real thick spot under the tree. And uh, I go in to get the other three dogs and bang, his, he shoots the bear. And the bear oh, comes oh. down into the dogs. And, you know, he wounded the bear, even to make matters worse. worse. So, the, 
yeah, and I couldn't even get in there. It's so thick. And finally, you know, the bear busted out and ran a little bit and they caught it on the ground and, and um, we went down and finished it. But I lost it on that guy. I'm like, you know, we just had this conversation yesterday and here you go and you did this. What I exactly. What not to do. So that was a bad one. But, you know, that's part of the, the game. I usually don't have situations like that. I try to, you know, I'm always in control of what's going on with the, with the client. Do all of your clients come physically prepared for the hunt? Is that a joke or is that a serious question? <laughs> <You tell laughs> no, they're, um, they're, uh, the, the bear hunting's not so bad because, it, you know, it's bear ground and the, the cattings is what really gets them because there's snow and they can't see where they're stepping. And that's tough on people. Um, it's, it completely changes the dynamic of how I have to hunt, you know, with, you got to look out, you got to do it. What's best for the hunter and oh, yeah. getting them in there is a struggle, you know, and the dogs make a catch somewhere and it's a half a mile through that thick stuff. You're plowing through and the snows up over your knees. It's, but a, the, a good guy trick for that is if you're heading in, I tell the hunters, follow me and don't let them see you. <laughs> you stay just far enough ahead of them. You can guarantee they're going to keep coming. But if they, if, if you stop and they want to, they'll break down, you know, they're like, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this, but they can't see you. They just keep coming. So I've learned that over the years. Like just go. you'll hear them coming. It's like, all right, keep moving ahead. You just stay far enough ahead. So they can't see you and you get to the dogs and, and they get their yeah, Don't let That's them talk awesome. to you. Don't let them, don't let them back no, out. No, 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 no communication. <laughs> right. Either come with me or be left behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with that, I mean, speaking of the outfitting and, and everything up, there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I'm sure you could write a book on that too, because a lot of these hunters, I'm sure, you know, a, yeah, I would say a bunch of them are big game hunters, you know, looking for new opportunity, sure. but I would bet you get a lot of novice hunters. Wouldn't you say just looking for a real experience? You, you do. Um, it, it's probably 50, 50, you know, I have some of my guys that hunt me every year and they're, some of these guys are houndsmen and they just, they come for the dogs, you know, and mm -hmm. that's what I want. And then you get guys that are kind of just after the trophy and they're, you know, they're one and done. They get their animal and you don't see them again. But over the years now, I've been at it long enough. I've built up a clientele. A lot of these guys that just, you know, they, they like the dogs as much as we all do. And, that's, that's and they don't I have want. to feed them at all. Yeah. You care yeah. Of it, right? Well, some of them <laughs> get suckered in and they end up buying dogs and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Right. That's why I'm sitting yeah. here today. <laughs> then they want to bring their dogs with you. I don't. I don't have much of that happen. I I get a few guys that do, but um, I try to stay away from that. <laughs> yeah. Well, um. So let's. So let's start. Let's back up a little bit. How did you get started? Um, I mean, I my father had hounds. I grew up with hounds. Um, as a little kid, my dad he bobcat hunted, he bear hunted some. So I was always around it growing up, you know, and um always just would sit around the table listening to the to the hunting stories and was intrigued by it and then in my teens I started to get my own hounds and went through a lot of uh trap heads before I finally found a few good ones and kind of you know listen to my dad and the old timers about how they hunt I mean those guys hunted kudos to them in the 60s and 70s and before any even telemetry you know they'd mm -hmm. find a cat track and They'd follow the, put the dogs on and strap the snowshoes on and they'd go. But that's how I learned to hunt. So 
That's why he just stays just out of sight of people. That, that's the lesson he yeah. learned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't hear them, but they're right. Or you just keep going. They got to be there. That's right. Just over this hill. Ask my wife. That was my favorite scene. They're just over that ridge top. We're good. Yeah. I always say, you know, yeah, it's just about a mile back to the truck. They always say it's more like about three miles. Well, they don't know. They're not tracking it. So anyway, that's, you know, I grew up around hound dogs and um, my dad kind of got out of it in the probably late 80s, early 90s, because bobcats got pretty scarce and he'd lost some of his good dogs. And like I said, then I started to get some dogs and I finally got a good, a pretty good dog, Pokey. He was a black and tan plot mix. And um, this is probably around 94, uh, hunting him and he caught a cat, baited on the ground and I get in there and that was it. I was, you know, game over. I was hooked for life then. Couldn't get enough of it. Never look back, I guess. <laughs> Bobcat, huh? So, uh, so how uh, on your guys' size of cats? They get pretty good, good size. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, we target the toms, obviously, but you know, last one we had a lot of cats that were thirty-three to thirty-eight pounds in that area. Wow. Occasionally, we over the years we've got a few cats over forty pounds, but they. It's a it's a rare rare creature I found to get those ones over forty. Right, and how uh, mostly on snowmobile? You guys all snowed in by then, or what's your season look like? Yeah, we you know we we do everything, but I prefer to hunt on a snowmobile. Um, you know, I can just basically I found I can anywhere a moose can go, I can stuff a snowmobile. So <laughs> it really helps to cut the cat tracks down when you're buying a track, and you can keep narrowing things down with a snowmobile. And, you know, you can put on pretty fresh on the cat and that that helps a lot when you're guiding i mean you, you don't want to make the hunt as quick as possible with, with a lot of these clients so um that's how we do that right on so is it different ground than you're bear hunting in i'd assume or is it no it's uh it's pretty much the same i mean the, the cats will they'll tend to run in the thickest nastiest stuff you can find and that's where they'll when they when they get pressured, they'll go to one of those spots, and that's where they'll start circling and you know figure eights and doing all that stuff. Ducking dogs. When the dogs really come into play, you got to have a dog that's really level headed and and has a lot of brains. That's what I try to breed for mostly, and that can figure all that stuff out. So my cat dogs are kind of separate from my bear dogs. My good cat dogs, I don't run them on bears. Um, the bear dogs are a little different mentality. So, how many dogs do you have? What do we have? I think we're around 16 dogs. I uh, lose count sometimes, but 14 to 16 is usually where we're at. You give us that's bad when you got to think about it and you got to count. It's like, yeah, I, I do. It, it takes a minute sometimes. <laughs> so, are you breeding your own line for both the cats and the bears? Like, or are they stuff that you brought in? Yeah, it's uh, mostly stuff I breed my own. And I don't breed, I'm not like in the papers and all that. I'll breed good traits to good traits, just stuff I, you know, watching my dogs. Um, I'm partial to the plots just because they they tend to be a little tougher, you know, in this business. I got to run like six days a week and, you know, they have good feet. We run a lot of crap with ice and frost and bad stuff like that. So the plots have held up for me better that way. Um, so I've just bred, you know, different plots. And, and now I got quite a few English dogs I've been messing with and I really like those too but um yeah it's nothing specific you know i've there's all kinds of different stuff thrown in there through these dogs and, but they seem to work you know they they've uh, 
had been lucky and had some really good dogs. Well, in the way you just put that, like um, all you listeners back up, you know, you didn't say you breed good dogs to good dogs. You breed good traits to good traits. And I think that that's something that that should really stand out, you know, because the traits are what you're breeding for. I've just never heard anybody refer to it that way. They've always just said, oh, we breed good dogs to good dogs. But that was really interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm i just with my dog. I'm with the, in the woods with my dogs all the time. I like to go on foot and, and really see what they're doing. You know, like I said, my dad used to follow the dogs on cats. And that's, I like to be there because you, you can help the dogs if they need help. Mm-hmm. If they make a loss. But you can learn a lot about the game you're following and, and the dogs. But so you, you can figure out pretty quick the dog that's got the brains and is level-headed and so that's what I find the most important when I when I make a cross. Um, you know, you want them to have a good nose, but I don't think it's probably as critical here. I'm pretty fortunate where I'm at because I mean I can I can treat a bear two miles from the house today, but I can run bears and bobcats pretty much right here most every day. So I'm lucky there, and it's all paper cutting land. Um, but you know, it's a it's a it's a great place for that for sure. So thinking back, like I always. And I haven't, we haven't touched on this in the podcast a little bit. Do you have like a single dog or one dog that was really special to you back that, that you'd go back for? Yeah. When I had my first cat dog there, that when I had mentioned that caught the cat, the following winter, I, you know, eager to go first snow, went to Western Maine in the mountains where they get early snows and put him on a cat. He ran it and it got dark and he didn't come out. Anyway, I went in the next morning and he'd fallen through a stream and drowned. Well, we had bred him to this plot we had before that and um he'd fathered these pups and i picked a female she became this dog Susie. i had anyway we killed 202 bobcats with that dog wow in nine seasons that really he was just yeah it was the you know she was a once in a lifetime dog but um you know i walked around a couple cats when she was like five months old and i think the third one i walked around she was she was burning it um she was just a natural and if she jumped a cat, it, it was over. I mean, she was gonna, she was gonna catch him or tree him. And she wasn't fast, but she just, she would never, you couldn't mess her up. She'd never make a loss, no matter what the cat did. Never bobble. No, she just, she was just so steady. And um, the problem with that, though, is you have a dog like that, and then you hold everything else to that standard. Because you know how good one can be. Yeah. So a, a lot of my blood still goes back to her. I only bred her once. Um, and she had, I think, seven puppies, and I ended up keeping three. But they were all pretty much good dogs. Um, he had a dog, a male I kept named Cash, and he was the best bear dog I probably ever had. But um, but yeah, she was a she was a you know we broke the state record in Maine with her. Her and another dog I had, Lily. We in 2004 we killed 33 cats in five weeks, which was a state record for bobcats here. But she was like I said, just a, a truly amazing dog. Just and Colt, you could put her on a two day old cat track and she'd go. If she jumped him, she'd follow him and jump him and forget it. It was over. <laughs> so she said she wasn't a fast, but she was just methodical and, and accurate. It was like just super steady. I mean, I saw and I saw that dog do so many amazing things. I mean, you, you could put like five dogs in there that would mess the whole woods up the tracks and have everything messed up. And you, she would just come down through there and just every breath, you know, and she just rolled through that with the cat track like it was you know, on fresh snow, she was just an amazing dog and, and super smart. She, um, she just knew the game and, and, uh, and she was tough. You could run that dog 
you know, seven days a week. I never once saw her feet cut up. She had like feet like a coyote. She had hair to no feet and, and real heavy pads and just special dog for sure. She uh, she was a big female too. She's like 60 pound female dog. Really? I had a, a, a dog and never did turn out. Or at least I didn't have the ability to to see if she had finished out or not. You know, she she hunted, she she caught a lot of game. But I remember you were saying that she messed up. She was natural. I remember one night, and uh, I watched. Uh, we ran a probably elk all night. Like I was, it was like made up. I was so mad. Loaded them up. I was supposed to be at work, and all these I had some other dogs, and a bobcat runs across the road, and I'm like, I'm so mad at that one dog. And I wouldn't let her out of the box. And I let all the other dogs out. And they went up right where that cat went. And I mean, for 45 minutes, I'm trying to start that thing. And it just, they wouldn't go, they wouldn't go. And finally, I'm like defeated. I just walked down to the box. And I'm like, all right, Copper, go ahead. And she walks up there, ur, ur, makes a little circle and just ur, 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 trees the damn thing 300 yards later. It's like, yeah, just natural. And Is that Turk's mom looking yeah, back? Yeah, Copper? Was, that was, yeah. Uh, no, Turk. I can't think. I, I'm I'm horrible with dogs. I forget you're bad with the dog lineage. Yeah, that was Turk's mom. I'll go listen to Don's episode because we talked yeah, about it. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know where they come from. I don't know. I, but anyway, it was just like you mentioned. Like I couldn't put my finger on her. I mean, I I watched that dog gain on deer. Like I was not a good houndsman, but she had some ability that I wish I could have. I wish I could go back, and that's why I always ask sometimes. Is yeah. So is there anything that you would change for yourself going back? Is there, you know, when you were younger, I mean, what did it take you to learn to have that dog? You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? That, that dog, I, I, she taught me more about cat hunting probably than, you know, I could, anyone could ever teach me or teach myself. I just, you know, I'd follow her and just watch how, what she did, and, you know, the, her body language and everything you just could observe the dog and just it was amazing to see what she'd do i mean she'd you know she'd have cats sometimes circling and you'd get in there and it was like 10 minutes of daylight left and like she'd see you and it's like she knew that okay let's get this done it's time to go home and she a couple quick circles and cats bait up it's like wow just <laughs> so like that dog taught me more than than anyone could you know but i guess looking back there's one thing i would do different i'd slow down a little bit because i was probably a little reckless when i was younger you know hunting probably too hard i guess yeah <laughs> yeah I'd go a little easier now yeah so do you think um can you think of uh when you say she taught you some things on on cats and this is a, a hard question to answer so if, if you don't know but when you, when you're training a dog now do you think back on that or do you do you see things and you, you may not come up with an example right away, but do you see things that you do differently after watching that dog and learning what, what a cat does like, um, or doesn't do? Uh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I, I, I know as, as I'm asking it, I'm like, this is a really hard question to answer, man. That's a tough question. Well, it's like those dogs that naturally check a culvert or something, you know, like they've just learned that yeah. that's where the game hangs or those scratch. You know, she, it, She'd teach a lot, like, especially we get a lot of ice and stuff around here, and you'd watch, you know, and she'd know the cats love to run on that glare ice, like a windblown stream or something. And, you know, a lot of times we might come to one, you just assume that he went straight across. Well, you could, like, you'd watch her and she'd hit it, and she'd, on, even on glare ice, she could go down that stream and, and check it, you know, and find where he left and stuff like that. You, you know, you pick up, or even, I mean, I see her running down tar roads before, and she'd grate down the tar road, and you, you just assume the cat 
because they usually do come right straight across the road, but not always. And, you know, if you watch a dog like that, you can, can figure out what they do or jumping from their. It's interesting stuff. sometimes for, and, and you mentioned that is because I've, I've, I've seen some of that too, where you, those dogs start to learn, um, yeah. you know, and it's, it, they get better, you know I mean? At least the smart yeah. ones, you know, but I say run down a road, you know, like the dogs will hit a road and they'll go down one way. And I was, I was with the buddy and he was freaking out. And I'm like, if, if the cat didn't go down there, those dogs are going to turn around and they're going to come back. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they, they'll overrun it, but yeah. it's like they, for whatever reason, you know, I normally just chill out a little bit sometimes, you know, I, I don't try to, I don't try to micromanage the track as much as I right. used to. Yeah. You know? I, I know I watch that a lot with the garments and I've learned with that, you watch your good dogs on a loss. They'll, you know, they'll stick around there for a little bit and then you watch them and they'll start throwing loop outside their tracks and keep yep. and then they'll hit it and go. And you, you can almost, now you can watch the garment and go, yep, it's got it. You know, and you, you know what's happening. Yeah. And you see how they got from A to B, not just they yeah. picked it up. Like, you know, what's going on. Yeah, and I and I get frustrated sometimes watching that with some of the young dogs, and I'm like, okay, they made a loss right there, and you're watching them, and they're going round and round and round that same spot, and it's like, no, throw a loop around that and find where he left. And sometimes I have to go over there and do that myself, you know, kind of stay outside the whole mess of tracks and playing with a the cat or even a bear. They do the same thing with bears and those catches when they blow up and take out. But those good dogs, they they know to do that. It's pretty pretty awesome to watch when you see that it's like yeah that's what that's what needs to be happening <laughs> and a lot a lot of times it's only one you know one experience and that dog learns i know when i first yeah. started i bought a dog named thumper and he was a blue tick He was actually related to some of your blue tick and my blue tick stuff too buddy but you know i bought him i was fresh green never hound hunted you know except with a buddy and he was way too good of a dog for me at the time you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I remember chasing this cat up in a spot we always used to hunt. And this thing jumped probably, I don't know, 15 feet at an angle into a culvert pipe. And it must have sat there and been laughing at the dogs as we were slow trailing him in because he jumped out like the opposite direction at a full angle. And they would never pick their head up far enough to move more than, you know, whatever it was, 20 feet even. He was just sitting there grinding on it. So I threw his nose in that culvert. And he could get a big whiff of it. And after that, every one of those dogs started learning from him. You couldn't get to a culvert without him sticking his head in it, trying to get it. Unfortunately, there were a lot of skunks involved in those early years for doing that. But it's you got a treat once in a while. Yeah, I got a real treat. But it's funny how fast those dogs learn how to get to the game they're chasing. Like they pick up those tricks. Yeah, be good dogs, but the smart ones do that. Yeah. How many uh uh, nemesis what what's your you know as far as training what's what's a what's something you only got to overcome what's your, what's one of your biggest problems on cat cat hunting to be successful well the the biggest problem you have with most of your dogs and my father always used to say this he'd say you could take a hundred bear dogs and out of that hundred you're going to get one or two real good cat dogs mm -hmm. i was like that sounds kind of crazy but now i believe it because you see you know you watch dog after dog that you can put on a cat track and he'll, he'll co-trail it for five miles. But as soon as that cat jumps and makes a circle, it's like the hunt's over. They, and that's the biggest thing here is having a dog that can handle that track in those circles with, I mean, they'll circle 10 or 20 times round and round, jump out and back in and but it, have a dog. That's the hardest thing I find is to get a dog that can, can figure all that out. Um, and, you know, it's, you got to weed through a lot 
awesome before you find one that that learns the game that way but that's the hardest thing and the conditions here play a lot too because we get a lot of like i said ice and crusty snow and, and there's a lot of streams and rivers that the cats mess around on so we fight conditions pretty much the whole season it seems like our season's three months long or whatever and you get you know a couple weeks that it's really like good and the rest of the time you're fighting fighting mother nature <laughs> yeah right how do you get your dogs in shape if, if you got two different packs and so you're not with the bear dogs it's easier because we have you know two months of training then we hunt for another two months so they it's a lot easier for me to train bear dogs and, but just roading them you know exercising them we we do a fair amount of that just to you know but you don't have a lot of time that's the trouble we have no training season for the cats uh-huh. and then you know it's deer season before our cat season so sundays you can't hunt in maine so you can get them up sunday and exercise them a little bit but don't like taking dogs in the woods that are full of deer hunters yeah so you guys are still on a sunday rule yeah it means no hunting on sunday wow yeah yeah it stinks but um so the early part of december i you know the first couple weeks of december i more just take the dogs and hunt them myself and just try to get them in shape before i start taking hunters because our snow's very minimal the first couple weeks of the season (laughs) so that's when i i do a lot of trying to get the dogs in shape yeah so let's back up a little bit on that that Sunday hunt because we passed over that like it's pretty common. And I can tell you from the West Coast, when I, I so <laughs> I, when I first heard of that, I was like, what do you mean you can't hunt Sundays? Someone's like bullshitting me is what he thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sunday's like one of the, you know, back when I had a job, it was like I had Saturday and I had Sunday. So that's when yeah. the churchgoers are out of the woods and you don't got to worry about it. Right. Um, and, and, and so I, you know, I always say, you know, my church is kind of in the woods and I don't know if that's, you know, right or not, but that's kind of where I really come to myself and, and, and do a lot of soul searching yeah. and stuff like that. And so, um, I spend a lot of time, you know, in my downtimes out, but, but how did that start? Look, t- give us a little bit of a history on that, because I'm sure that is very foreign to a lot of the people listening that, that they don't even understand that there's parts of the country that you cannot go out and hunt on a Sunday. Yeah, Maine's one of the few states, and it's always been that way, basically forever, as far as I know. And it's every year it's it's brought to the front where they, you know, different groups are trying to get it so you can hunt on Sunday. Um, but it just it hasn't passed, you know, it's, uh, and I don't know why I don't, from an outfitter, a guide standpoint, you know, I need Sunday to regroup. So, but as far as I don't see why you can't hunt on Sunday, it's a, it's one of those issues that I don't really understand it, but, um, you know, I think a guy should be able to vote and hunt on Sunday. We can train dogs on Sunday, but you just can't hunt on Sunday. What do you mean train dogs? So you can pursue? Oh yeah. I can train like our bear training season. I can train on Sunday. You can train bird dogs on Sunday. You can trap on Sunday. You just can't hunt on Sunday. Really? I didn't know. See, like I said, it's so unique that, I, I mean, I, I heard, the first time I heard about it was in Virginia. And there was um, there was a discussion about sport. It was actually the Sportsman's Alliance that was trying to get a Sunday hunting bill or something. And, and there was some, it was a group of, um, there was actually houndsmen that were against it. And they were um, against the, you know, hunting on Sunday. And, and I, for, for the life of me, I, I couldn't. Um, the church, you know what I mean? The church has a big part of it and, and there's a, um, a huge section on that, you know, as far as, uh, the political power, I think, you know, and, and lobbying and whatever, right. but, uh, 
the, I mean, it was two hunting groups that were like, this group was saying, nope, it's a, that's a church day. And so you don't hunt on Sunday. And so it's really ingrained and it's very deep and it's a part of um, the culture. You know what I mean? And, and so, so you're on the, yeah. the I want to hunt on Sunday, but there are, there are houndsmen out there that absolutely, nope, nope, we don't hunt on Sunday. And, and that's part of their heritage or whatever. And so it's, it's, it's kind of unique. I don't know how many, I don't know right. the polls and I don't know what, but it was coming from the west I, I can tell you it was like what wait a minute that well and it's funny because i was just going back and i was listening to an old meat eater podcast um so steve and yanni if you're listening we can we can solve something for you here because they were talking about it that you know there's this conspiracy that you know uh outfitters want a day off and that's why they keep it there so would you go on record and say like no you'd rather hunt on sunday <laughs> uh I do need a day off, so, but I understand. <laughs> oh, so he proved him right. But, I, but I'm all for the, the you know, I think we, they should, guys should be able to hunt. Have the opportunity to hunt. The working guy that works, you know, five days a week, for me, he should be able to hunt on Sunday. It's not going to bother me a bit. Myself, you know, I'm not going to do guided hunts on Sunday unless there was good snow conditions. Right. <laughs> Unless, and, and, and then we might just have to, we'll trade that Monday for a Sunday. Right. Yeah. It always seems like we get good snow conditions on Sunday too, but you know, a lot of times on Sunday, I'll go out and I'll look for cat tracks or whatever, you know, and for the bear season, we're always baiting on Sunday and getting ready for Monday. So it gives us a day to kind of get our shit together, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So where do you put your clients up? Whenever they come there, they a five day hunt. What 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 is a, a general hunt with you? Yeah, we have uh, cabins here on the lake. I'm right in Grand Lake Stream. It's called. We're right on a fourteen thousand acre lake. So we have cabins on the lake, um, and then there's a couple big houses I run out up on the lake for the bigger groups um, for the season. Right on. And that's that's for the bear season because I mean I have you know like when I'm bait hunting I usually have like eighteen guys a week. So damn, a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, that's busy. Yeah, five or six guys that work for me. We lease them quite a chunk of land, about 350,000 acres, I guess, all total. Right on. How many uh, bears do you normally harvest? Usually we're around 40, you know, depending on the amount of hunters, but we're around 35, 40 bears a year. Um, you know, the success rate on the bait hunts is much lower. The hound hunts, we, we run high success, obviously, but um, the bait hunts, you don't do as well. You can't, you know, I put that many guys in the woods and, you can't be sitting there with them. I can tell them everything to do, but you know, you get guys that just, I think you could put them in a zoo when they wouldn't see a bear. So <laughs> you can't help everyone. What's the number one mistake that they make? You think? I think the number one mistake they make is not sitting still, especially nowadays with cell phones. Everybody wants to take their cell phone with them and you know, they're, they're moving around and I tell them you got to sit still, you know, cause I, like I said, it goes back to our woods being so thick. The bear can be 20 yards from you sitting there. And the guys, you know, messing around with candy bars and his phones vibrating and dinging and, you know, bears just going to walk away. But I yeah. tell guys, just sit still, you know, and, and scent, obviously scent control is, is huge with the bears. They live and die by their nose. But, um, you know, I, I tell guys, keep your scent down, sit still and just try not to move it. You know, they sit for about four hours. So, and, you know, the last couple hours are prime time. but. Um, and it all depends with the bears on, on feed. A natural feed year, the bait, you know, you can't compete with natural feed. Um, last year was a tough, tough year bait hunting. We had more feed in the woods than I've ever seen. So um, you get a year when there's not a lot of natural feed, and they, and they do 
you know, they they lock on the baits a lot better. So it it varies that way. What are they feeding on? What's the natural feed your way? Uh, tons of berries. We have blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, strawberries, um, acorns, and beech nuts. Last year was a huge beech nut year um, and acorns. So they the bears stay out late. I was seeing bear tracks here in January last year, which I've never seen before. But wow. we just had ungodly amounts of beech. So, um, but there's tons of berries here cranberries um we have apples is is a, a wide range of feed for them mm. and your your hounds and your bait do they coincide or are they different seasons yeah we can run hounds off bait um which we do we do a lot of that and it helps us be selective on what we're chasing you know we run cameras on the baits and we can target the bigger bears that way you know if you got a bait that's got in the old days before cameras we would you know the bait was hit so you'd turn down on it and you might go free a sour with cubs you might get on a you know 100 pounder now with the cameras we can be more selective um as to what we're what we're going after and we so we do a lot of that and we also my favorite way to hunt is just walk the dogs up on the mountaintops when they're in the oaks and stuff and you just that's my favorite way to hunt you take five or six dogs and you just walk the mountain and they hunt like bird dogs you know i get them I don't put leashes on my dogs very often, so that's fun. You can watch them, and you can see when they pick up that bear scent, and they start. And you usually get on a hot track. You know, the bears will be right up there feeding on the, you know, on the nuts, and you get a pretty hot chase and sit on the mountain and listen to what happens. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So, do you say eighteen hunters at a time? As many, I think. Yeah, I mean, when my bait on, I think I have twenty, twenty five hunters the first week this year. So. That's oh. Good. Holy cow. So, um, so how do you manage? Um, and it just makes my head spin. Like, I don't like, well, what I have, you know, with my leases, I have all these townships they are called Maine townships, like six miles by six miles. Uh And it's just all paper company land, logging roads everywhere. So me and I have, like I said, five or six guides that work for me and I'll send like four, four hundreds with a guy generally. And they'll have an area like you're going to go hunt in this township and I'm going to go hunt, you know, in this township. And we just kind of spread out and, and you know, hunt your own area. And, and I usually put hunters on a bait for like three or four nights and um, three nights generally. If they don't see a bear, then I'll move them to another site. So, uh, and I guess my, my thinking is just how with running dogs do you like set them up on the bait and then you take off and go run the dogs or you you like no no so we got so we got two weeks that well there's four weeks you can bait hunt and there's two weeks of overlap where you can do both okay i try to do most of my bait hunters the first two weeks just bait hunting yep and i have you know certain areas where i dog hunt and certain areas where i do bait hunting so that third week we do overlap um i do run um dog hunters and bait hunters that week and then after that we just straight dog hunt till the end of october um that's how we we do that but the third week is less hunters when you're dog hunting you got less hunters yeah i take uh like four dog hunters a week okay that way i have myself and um three other guides that that work with me then um and i take two hunters with myself and Susan there and then um I send two hundred of my other guys and we kind of work together as the week goes down if you're working on that last guy, but we try to make sure everybody gets there. Right on. But yeah, that's that's a much better thing for me than dealing with all the bait hunters. The bait hunting is, is uh can be stressful. 
I imagine there's a lot of work and, and just running around logistic. Well, there is, and there's, it's, you're trying to keep that many people happy, you know, and it's, uh, it can be challenging. Well, and especially when you take out the, the equalizing factor there, I mean, you're just banking on that bear coming in where when you're running them with your dogs, I mean, I'm sure you got a lot more faith in your dogs than you do the guys sitting on a bait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm in control of that situation more so with the dogs, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in control of what's happening. Like I said, I can preach to these guys about what to do when they're sitting in, on a bait, but I'm not there with them. So I don't know what they're really doing. You know? Yeah. They did just what you told them. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> played on their cell phones quietly eating mm-hmm. a Snickers bar and the barrel come in. Exactly. Yeah. And it does happen sometime, but you know, uh, not often. The only bear I ever killed, I uh, was deer hunting and uh, I was actually out with Mike and it was fought in stock or whatever. So I was, I was deer hunting and, and I had a kippers and I had a little start, a little cook stove and I didn't have a lighter. And so I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, brush around trying to find something to light this little kippers thing to, to heat up some, you know, kippers. And, and I gave Mike my, my keys to my truck. I said, well, let's run down a couple of miles. There's another cut down there. You should go sit on. And, and sure enough, I, you know, bear walked out and, uh, I, I'd, I'd never, that it was just opportunity. You know, I never really set out to hunt a bear or anything like that, but, um, it was just sitting there trying to eat a snack and, and out, out walked him. He was, you know, being a nice, uh, he was a stud. Yeah. 375 pounder, which so I didn't know any better. I, I, uh, I got stopped. I was coming out of the woods at like two in the morning, coming through the town of like white salmon and my sheriff pulls me over because I was probably doing 50 through a 20, 20 zone at two in the morning. And, uh, I'm like, I'm sorry. I was, I was just stoked. We were, we were coming out of the woods. We just killed this bear. And, and he looks in the back and goes, that's a nice bear. And I go, really? I, I don't know. I've not seen very many of them. He goes, that's a dandy. And sure enough. I didn't know what I shot. I shot a nice one. So, but you guys get some monsters out East, don't you? We get some big bears, yeah. I think the bears are different for sure versus here over there with the size. Yeah, we, we get some big bears, and the biggest one we ever killed was six oh five. Holy, that's smoke. nuts. Yeah, we, you know, in a year when they're fat, like this year, they I would assume they're going to be pretty fat this year because they stayed out so late. Um, they came out fat. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we always about every year, we'll, you know, we'll get a bear that's high fours or something but we you know we've killed a few close to 600 high fives um but usually it's a it's a few years um getting after them before you finally connect it was one you know we were about three years hunting him and finally just they had the right honor and that's what it is a big difference with the with those big bears because they don't trade they just stay on the ground and you got to get in there on your feet and kill them and that's my favorite you know that's a favorite way to hunt is with a bear on the ground and get in there it's a little hairy you know it, we've killed him 500 pounds i think one day killed one that was uh, eight paces when we shot him and just stuff you you know you can't even hardly walk through so it's pretty wild but it's fun <laughs> gets your adrenaline pumping that's what's the stress level when you're trusting somebody with a loaded gun to go in and kill a bear that bear dogs who know what their job is are right there i mean i would assume that would be nerve wracking it's pretty high but in these i've learned over the years you um you know the same thing with these dogs you gotta have the good good bear dogs are real smart level-headed dogs mm-hmm. you don't want to i call them suicide dogs a dog that dives on a bear he's, he's no good because he's 
in this woods, there's no room for error. You know, when the bear decides to turn on, there's nowhere to go. So you're gonna have a dog that will work the bear. And if I try to, on those big bears, you get on them and I'll, you know, two or three dogs, maybe most. Mm-hmm. You don't want six dogs darting all around when you're trying to kill the thing. And, um, but yeah, the stress level is pretty high when you get someone in your, sometimes you're there with them bait up or moving around for a long time before that shot is there and they got to make it, you know, you got to. And right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's no, it's right now and it's pretty close and the bear's not happy. And so, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, so it, it can be, I've never had, luckily knock on wood, never had a dog shot or anything like that, but. What's the pack out look like? I mean, on, on you know, with we we skin and quarter them and pack them out. I mean, it uh, it can be rough, you know. But we have a a lot of a lot of logging roads, so it's not you know overly far. You know, miles of pretty good boat for us coming out. You know, yeah. it's, it's nasty ground, but um, we can usually get you know within four, five, six hundred yards of of what we got to do. So, but yeah, we pack them out. We take them apart in the woods, and any of the dog bears, we don't really bring any of them back to town. We pack them all out. Right. What about uh, at a bait? Do you, do you just leave the carcass there? No, we 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 bring those back here to my place. Um, we have like jet sleds, and we'll drag them out. Okay. We keep using the bait, you know, after, so we don't want to. You know, got so I was wondering if you have like, yeah. a pile of bears on a good bait. Be like, well, there's a whole uh, pile of somebody sitting there with us. No, we have a place we dump all the carcasses, but that's how we bring all the bears back to town, the, the bait on the ones. Right on. So uh, we're going to wrap up here soon. Um, one of the questions I had was, ha- have you done any out-of-state hunting? Have you have you uh, mostly spent your time in Maine, or have you, have you spent some time other places? I've been uh, very intrigued with mountain mines, so we went out. Um, Colorado last March. I got a whole, a whole respect for that game now. I think I talked to you before then. We were messaging back and forth. You did, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it never snowed in like three weeks while we were out there. So we were, you know, hunting dry ground, bare ground, oh, and uh, learning the country. And I met some some great people. And um, I never did tree a cat, never got on a cat. But um, I'm going to go back out. I think. Uh, early next December and go at it again because I, you know, it's one of those things I'm hooked on now and gonna keep doing it. But it is pretty awesome out there and I love the I love the West. The difference there to here was um like here it's pretty open. Like I said, I can leave a mile from the house and it's wide open for hundreds of miles of logging roads, you know. And out there, you know, I was living and dying by my onyx that you don't just go, okay, that looks good. Let's go up in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you gotta make sure you know you guys know that it's BLM or, or national forest or whatever to just go take off and do it. So that was that was the big difference for me. That you know I saw a lot of places I wanted to go, but I couldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and you gotta, especially somebody who doesn't know the country. You know what I mean? Right. Um, to right. just drop in without tracks and without seeing. Um, you know, it can. You, there's definitely guys out there that can go catch cats without snow, but it'd be very disadvantaged for somebody who doesn't know the country to do that. Well, know where the cats are and where they frequent and their habits. You know, that makes all the difference. Yeah, yeah. I certainly, I learned a lot about. You know, I did a lot of hiking and a lot of walking out there in the mountains and canyons, and just trying to to learn the game. You know, and I learned a lot about lions and a lot of saw a lot of scrapes, and it just 
it was pretty awesome to me to learn all that and see the country. So, what about like elevation differences out, out where you're at compared to here? Yeah, well, we're like sea level here, right? It, it, the elevation didn't bother me. I know it does a lot of people, but I was out, you know, shoot the first day I was out there, I was at like nine or ten thousand feet hiking in the mountain, and it didn't bother me. It seemed to bother the dogs a little bit almost. Oh, yeah, you no. Know? I know they they uh, they learned about elk and uh, mule deer real quick too. They they thought those were <laughs> <smelled> pretty cool. <laughs> so once, yeah, once, yeah. But so there was a little learning curve for all of us. I took six six dogs with us, I guess. And, uh, uh-huh. and you just went down there, do it yourself, over the counter kind of yeah. dealer. Yeah, I had a couple friends that um, are outfitters out there that I'd known and talked to, and they kind of certainly pointing me in the right direction you know where to go but i was just doing my own thing nice nice yeah, it was a lot of fun I was, i'm definitely hooking to do some more of that oh, that's cool well before we wrap this up do you got anything that you were really wanting to to talk about that we didn't get i mean we, we kind of took over the conversation pretty good I, no i think you guys uh i think we kind of any clients you want to make fun of anymore we pick on you <laughs> <laughs> ruin your business for you <laughs> Can we do another like whole episode on just clients? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That that could go on and on and on. This, I have a lot of stories about this. Yeah. That, every time I talk to somebody about guidance, they're like, it sounds like the coolest job in the world until you get there. And then you have to deal with people. Like, it's yeah. not the dogs anymore, it's the people. We're, we're professional babysitters. I have a lot of people that, you know, I know here in Maine, they're like, you know, he used to kill like 25, 30 cats a winter. How come, how come you don't do that anymore? I'm like you try guiding somebody and see, you know, it just completely <laughs> changes the hunt. You know, I used to, yeah. you know, it's one thing for me to take off with the dogs, but you're just basically dragging, dragging these guys to, you know, into what they don't want to go into. And <laughs> it certainly changes how we do things, but you know, I love it though. I love, love making them achieve their goals and you you can push people too like i said just you can make them do a lot of things they didn't don't think they could do which is yeah. pretty rewarding to see i had a friend or your guy that was telling me he was a guide and he got so fed up with his client that his client was just trying to tell him everything so he's finally he just parks at a road gets on a snowmobile drives about two miles off pulls the snowmobile off and just eats his lunch <laughs> he's like i am so pissed right now i just got to get away from this guy he took about an hour just said I just yeah. best hour I ever had just sitting there eating my lunch. And this guy thinks he's out running every mountain road because he's like, We're not gonna catch a cat today. He's like, We're you know, he's like, We're wasting our time. We can do what we want to do, but we should do this. The guy's like, No, we should do this. And so finally he's just like, whatever. So he comes back and uh <laughs> so because I just I had to just get away from that guy. So I just went out, parked my snowmobile, spent the <laughs> spent the morning on my snow. It was like, oh, that's what it was. It was like nine minus forty or something. You know, he's like, that's what he's telling me. He goes, we we basically we just needed to wait for it to warm up. You know, he's like, can't trail anything. Can't trail anything. He goes, we got a track there. I, I can go start that track, but I gotta let it warm up. And and so he's telling me he's like, the guy just wanted him to keep going. And he's like, I'm not turning my dogs loose right now because it's just you know it's insane. So he just went and sat on a snowmobile, ate his lunch, and, and it warmed up a little bit. He looks at the thermometer, and he goes, okay, let's go catch that other cat. He went yeah, to, right. And he catch the cat it? for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you say, uh, don't guide the guide. That like <laughs> exactly. People, you know, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, you, you ever get frustrated? Oh, very. 
And I'll do it like you said. Sometimes I'll just like sometimes I'll get on my snowmobile and be like, okay, I'm gonna go in here and and I just have to go like look for a, a moose antler. I'm gonna go look for a <laughs> track. I'll look for a track. Yeah, uh, shed hunting. Air quotes <laughs> are being right now, people. Yeah, now that guy this year's coming like, is he really looking for a? Track? Yeah, we just screwed you for your whole season. Yeah, sometimes you do. You just gotta get away for a little bit and and uh, catch your breath. But for the most part, my clients are pretty good. I mean, I've weeded out the, the ones I don't want to guide anymore. I've been at it long enough that I got to that point. But Well, and you got to know the dogs. you got to know the game you're chasing. Like, you've got to learn your right. hunters so that you can get them the best success. Because I guarantee it's right. different, you know, yeah. requirements. Like, they have different skill sets. So, hats off, man. That That's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, if you will. Uh, most of them, though, you know, if you give them a good effort, they see you working hard for it. Most of them, you know, respect that, and they they see you're putting a good effort in, and that certainly helps. You got a much harder job so, than we do. I tell you right now, we we well, look you guys at it. Do and, a good job, though. You keep well, yeah, I know, business. but let me let me explain you my hard day. Right, we we have a box. We're like, here's a box. This guy paid for an alpha collar. <laughs> Should we put the should we put the collar in? Yeah, we should put the collar in the box. And then we should ship that box. And we should ship it to him. And he's gonna be happy. That's that's how we make Paul Laney happy, right? Well, you guys do a great job. Hundred percent. Something tells me that your job is not that easy. No. I'm just gonna say that out loud. <laughs> well, most days probably not, but oh. some days it is. Some days you get lucky, you know, you get on one and it's all the hunt's over in an hour Monday morning, but Make sure you get us the information for all you guys listening. We'll throw a link to uh, to the website here so you guys can check out some hunting and if you're looking at guiding, possibly. Uh, so make sure you get that to me, and, and we'll get that information sure. up in this too. Sure. Let's wrap her up, and and we need to hear a we got to hear a train wreck, a like, real train we, wreck. We don't want to. We don't need a train wreck to be about dogs getting hurt or anything. But um, you want a train wreck like a good one. Yeah, yeah. Is there any other? <laughs> uh, I fell, let's see, 35 feet out of a tree one time getting a bobcat out. That was a bit of a train wreck. That is. So, did the dogs chew on you when you got to the bottom? <laughs> no, no. We had a cat that uh, a client shot and we thought it was dead in the tree. And um, this guy was an old coon on it, too. So, him and I were arguing about who's going to climb up the tree and get the cat out. So finally, I pulled rank. I said, no, no, I'm the guy. I'll get the cat. So I climb up this. This is like a cedar tree, probably 30, 35 feet high. So I get up there, and the cat's still alive. <laughs> it's a souped-up wild cat. And, and very pissed off. So I, uh, <laughs> I broke off a limb, you know, probably three, four feet long, and I told him, I said, I'm just going to push him out of the tree. But when I gave a big push, the limb I was standing on broke. And I fell. You can fall 30, 35 feet before you can say, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but so it knocked me out, you know, when I hit. And I kind of came to, went to stand up. And I was like, oh, boy, this is good. I thought, you know, my foot was shattered or whatever. So I had uh, a guide working with me. I had three, three clients. And um, I sent the guide out to get the truck. And I told I knew exactly where I was. I'd been in there before. And I said, if you drive into this old gravel pit, you can snowmobile right into me. And I had the hunters get me in this road. And uh, I laid there in the snow. It was like probably 10 below zero. And it got almost dark. And I could hear the snowmobile riding around and this and that. And, and finally, they got in there. Um, 
and got me on a rescue sled. And what had happened was I cracked my heel in seven places, kind of cracked like a tree. Mm. And, you know, they got me out into an ambulance and got me to the hospital. And I survived it all. I still had, uh, I think, five weeks of cat hunters left for the season. And I hunted the rest of the season. Uh, Dale, Toby guided for me. My father came up and got me through the season. But I hunted the whole season on crutches. I got so I could get out of the truck on crutches and crawl up in the back of the truck and get on my snowmobile and back it out of the truck and go look for track for crutches. So it was uh, it was an experience, but it was a pretty good train wreck for you. Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> See, I had uh, a very similar story this year. As I had, uh, we took a couple kids out hunting and. Uh, Long story short, we caught a cat up there. Kid shot it, and you could see the paw. It just like we thought it was dead, but it was up in a Douglas fir, you know. And our trees are like 120 feet, so this thing was way up there. And uh, we look at each other like, "Who's gonna go up there and climb it?" You know, we didn't have any climbing gear, and so he is like, "Oh, I'll do it." So give him a boost up the tree, and he gets, he is maybe 20 feet, 15 feet, and uh, he starts. To, he's like, "Hey, I can't do it. I can't do it." And I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, chicken shit. Let me." Let me show you how to do it. So I get up there. I get about five feet higher than him. And I'm like, I start shaking. And, you know, the limbs are getting small. And I'm like, damn, I can't do it either. You know what I mean? But I had already, you got my mind already called. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? And and so anyways, I chicken out. Like, I, I couldn't do it. And uh, we're like, well, maybe we'll shoot the limb off or something, you know. So we, we uh, start shooting the limb off. And that son of a bitch jumped up bright-eyed bushy-tailed was 100 percent alive and i remember before i started climbing i looked at my pistol i go should i bring my pistol with me no i don't don't want to pack any more weight up that tree than i had to so so i didn't get that far i didn't get the falling out part but but uh you guys sound like the jerry clower fan club right now i've never (laughs) climbed a tree like that and i never will because i don't do that (laughs) back in oh i i used to be able to climb a tree like a like a ninja but not anymore man it's one of those things you just second nature i used to do it all the time you know but now i'm a little more uh a little more cautious about what trees i climb yeah yeah it, it is amazing how old i mean like i got pictures of me like my parents had a parrot and it flew up the top of a tree one time and i mean the tippy top of a douglas fir and i climbed up there and didn't even think about it grabbed the bird and you know for him and now holy hell you had elastic for bones i mean like when you're young you don't think about how bad that's gonna hurt yeah it hurts (laughs) (laughs) i don't do well with heights anymore after that fall you know even up on a roof or something i'm i'm get a little scared it's justifiable (laughs) i can understand that yeah Uh, i'm not even i'm not even embarrassed to be scared anymore i'm just like yep i'm scared (laughs) we don't have wings for a reason guys we're supposed to stay on the ground Oh, awesome. Paul, this is a good little, little chat. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys. And, uh, imagine you'll be out in the morning again, going to. Yeah. We'll try again in the morning. I got a guide fisherman the rest of the week after tomorrow. So I like to get the dogs out as much as I can, you know, this time of year. Right on. All right, Paul, we'll, we'll chat with you soon. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So there was one more thing that I really wanted to cover with you, Paul, and that was going back into the attacks from the antis on the bear hunting in Maine. And I know you've got some good history on it, and I know you guys are fighting some stuff now. So why don't you give us a little recap and then kind of explain to the listeners what's going on currently in Maine? Sure. Um, First and foremost, I just want to thank you guys for your support to the referendums we've had and, you know, to 
what you guys have done and it says a lot to the sportsmen and the hound guys in Maine. So thank you for that. Um, oh, you're welcome, man. A little backstory on what happened. Um, so in 2004, uh, the Humane Society of the United States brought a referendum to the state of Maine to ban bear hunting, essentially bait, hounds, and traps, which is accounts for 90, over 90% of our harvest every year. Um, and we had never dealt with anything like that before. So I was a director of the Maine Professional Guides Association through both of these referendums, and we were kind of starting from the beginning. So the first thing we did is we hired a polling outfit, and um, they pulled a big percentage of Southern Maine population. And they came back to us and they said, you guys are done. You can't win. <laughs> so, oh, wow. 80% of the people they polled didn't even know that we hunted bears in the state of Maine. Just had no clue. No. So that's what we were up against. And, um, you know, we formed a grassroots effort. All the sportsmen, you know, everyone united. Um, we raised like $1.3 million. Um, and we won. You know, we beat them, so, which, was, which was great. But the mistake we made was, you know, we won and we all just had a, you know, a big party, had a few drinks and we walked away. We forgot about it. So fast forward 10 years later, 2014, Humane Society comes back again. Same thing, trying to ban bear hunting in Maine. Um, we had a lot of help from the USSA on that one. And it, it was huge, though. I mean, the Humane Society dumped two point. Seven million dollars into the state on that one. They completely, basically, solely funded the whole campaign to ban this. And um, but we all got together, you know, the guides and outfitters. We all pitched in. We donated thousands of dollars in hunts and time and did everything we could. And we were lucky that time around. Um, our polling said that the people of Maine trusted the wardens and the biologists. And our governor at the time allowed them to be in uniform in the tv ad so we really pushed that you know we had to spend you know well over two million dollars in a month's worth of tv ads which is makes me sick to my stomach but that's what we had to do and um you know we beat them again and the strange thing is we won by almost the same amount of both both times like 40 really? 42 votes. yeah so um but we got smart but, you know houndsmen and and, and hunters we're slow learners, but we got smart this time around because we kept we had a 501c3 called the MWCC, the Maine Wildlife Conservation Council, and we kept that intact, and it's still intact. And um, so we're we're proactive and we're actively raising money. The Maine Professional Guides Association we have what's called an SOS raffle, save our sport, and a bunch of us bigger outfitters are um, like myself. I sell 50 tickets at 100 bucks a piece to my clients. Um, which I donate a hunt. They can go on any hunt they want if they win. But all that money goes into a war chest. So, sure. you know, there's a bunch of us doing that and we're building a war chest and we're, we're trying to stay on top of it. Um, so they don't let the, up, do they? They just keep coming well, back. Yeah, and the, the sad part is they're not going away. You know what I mean? They, they have so much money and they have this lady, Katie Hansberry, she works for them and she's like, She's been on some of the um, steering committees, our big game committees. They gave her a seat at the table, and it, all that just—it's it, sickening. But it's where we're at, and and it's what we're going to deal with, and our kids are going to deal with, and 
at some point they're probably you know they're going to get a piece of the pie you know and keep different away at us but so that's what where we're at now um presently there's a guy named john glower who's a just radical animal rights wolf loving coyote loving guy that um he's presented this as like a backdoor approach he's gone through the rulemaking process where we have an advisory council on a for our fish and game department and he's proposed them this proposal that would phase out the bear baiting program over the next 10 years um he has no data no science no nothing he just it's all emotion he claims it's increasing the bear population and whatnot hmm. it doesn't seem to have any legs you know they when that type of stuff comes along the advisory council has to hear it but he did you know he threatened in his testimony that if it doesn't pass he's going to bring on another referendum which he is in bed with the humane society so you know it's looming it's always there and being proactive i think is the key you gotta that was our mistake in 2004 they came back at us because they heard we were unorganized and we had no money so you were right <laughs> right <laughs> you know because we like i said in 2004 we won and we just forgot about it we're like okay they're not coming back well they did you know it took them 10 years but they came back right and you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll be back again after the something. You know, the coyote hunting is is big on the radar here. The coyote hunting with hounds is um, always something they watch. And it's just one of those things you have to police yourselves. And some guys don't do a good job of that. <laughs> Social media is a, a great thing. And it's a, it's the death of us, too, probably. Well, and it's hard because you hope that at some point we can quit the fight, but realistically, it's just not going to happen because they're not going to quit. We've got to fight every step of the way, tooth and nail, it seems like. Yeah, it just, I don't, like I said, I don't see it going away ever. You know, they just have so much money behind them and they know that every time we have one of those, it, it breaks the bank for all of us. Mm -hmm. We kind of have to start fresh again, but. We just keep our fingers crossed and keep fighting. That's all we can do. <laughs> no kidding. We'll make sure I'll get with you, Paul, and we'll get some links to those organizations so that we can put them in the episode notes. So any listeners out there that want to check it out or, or make a donation, you know, you can check out these organizations. A absolutely. Yeah, no, that that's huge to us. Um, we appreciate you guys doing all that. Like I said, you guys were, were big supporters in the last referendum and we're forever grateful for that. You know? Well, we we hope to continue to be there for you guys because you guys are the ones putting the boots on the dirt and, and fighting this thing. So we appreciate you. Yeah. I mean, it resonates nationwide. You know, I, That's right. me being in Oregon and, you know, buddy in Washington, we were all watching that, you know, and yeah. just hoping and praying and, and hoping that they would not get any traction. And it, it was, it was scary there for a little bit. Cause I kept, well, thinking, it, you know, it was very close. Like I said, 40,000 votes isn't a lot. And, um, <laughs> But it was huge to us, all the, you know, the hound organizations in different states, you know, that would came in our support, you know, Vermont and Wisconsin and Michigan. And, you know, everyone was was helping us out. And, you know, we owe those guys when it's like you said, it's nationwide. Everybody's we're all in the same boat. and We're a, a relatively small community, you know, when it comes down to it. So we all got to stick together for sure. Well, and anybody who doesn't think that they aren't networking and doing the same thing across the nation, I mean, you guys are fighting it now. California, you know, I remember when they lost it back in 2012, and that wasn't the first time that they'd lost it either, you know. Right. So it's, 
it's important that we all kind of stay on top of it. And just because it's not in your back door doesn't mean it's not your problem. That's for sure. Because they get a taste of blood and they keep going. So that's right. Like you said, they're, they're watching us all the time. And that's why, like I said, it's, we try to get everyone to kind of police themselves, but it, it just takes one bad video, you know, posted online, boy. And they, they, they're all over it. Right. You know, anything that we can do to self-police, like you're saying, and keep keep anything off the internet that can be used against us. I mean, they're using sure. our own you know, content against us. We're supplying yeah. it. And I would really encourage all the listeners, you know, just be careful because what you post today, I mean, who's to say what's going to be used against us tomorrow? Yeah, and it doesn't matter either. Like in 2014, a lot of, I think almost all their TV ads that they had, they weren't even videos from Maine, you know, they were videos from other states that they had that they were using in TV ads. But like I said, when you got 80% of the population in Southern Maine that doesn't even know we hunt bears, you know, and they see these graphic videos, they don't know where, where they came from and it doesn't right. matter to them. You know, it, it just looks bad. Right. So that's, you know, you've got to be careful everywhere. I just, well, we appreciate you fighting the good fight there, Paul. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to close with? No, I think we're we're good. Just like I said, keep up the good work. You guys are great keeping keeping all of us in business, that's for sure. Your customer service is the best there is, I think. And uh Oh, you're flattering. Like, <laughs> yeah, well I just you know, try to speak I guess on behalf of all the houndsmen and sportsmen in Maine, you guys you guys are a great company and we need more companies like you guys that that help us out. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate you coming on with us and and stay in touch. Maybe we'll have to do a follow up here and see if this thing gets any traction. All right, anytime. Good talking to you, Jason. All right. Hey, thanks, bud. Thanks, Jason.